Hi, my name is Emeka Morrow and welcome to Growth is Personal. Each week, I share insights and strategies that will equip you to accelerate your personal and professional growth and bring you conversations that will empower you to thrive in life, career and business. Hello, welcome once again to Growth is Personal podcast. I'm glad to be back and guess what? We have a special guest today on the podcast show. Today we have Les Hewitt. Um, Les, you know, we met a few weeks or a few months back. Uh, we were at a conference and he was the was a lead speaker, uh, the keynote speaker for that event. And then that was where I got to meet him and I said, you know what? He has to be on the show to add to add value to the audience. I know all of you listening, some of us watch all the way from seashells. For those of you watching in Saudi Arabia, some of us in Canada, I, I know some of our listeners as well in Jamaica, in UK, just all over the place. So I'm glad that you're always tuning in, watching the podcast and also listening. I'm going to go jump right into introduce our guest and I'll give an opportunity to also share some few things that I will probably not share on his profile here. So Les Hewitt is known as a focus coach by his peers and clients. He's the founder of the Power of Focus Coaching Program, a unique focusing system for business leaders who want greater profit, less stress, and more time off. Les has worked with more than 300 companies in Canada, United States, Singapore, Bahrain, Dubai, Russia, Australia, the UK, and the Republic of Ireland. He's also the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Power of Focus. There are currently six books in the series with more than 1 million copies sold. These are available in 21 languages. Les is the founder of the Kick On Life Skills Program, a unique curriculum designed to help thousands of underprivileged teens to use five life skills that create confidence, opportunity, and prosperity. Today, Les is here to share how these same five fundamentals can transform your business, can transform your life and your career. Please welcome to the podcast today, the podcast community, Les Hewitt. Les, the floor is yours. Hi, good morning. It's a real uh, privilege to be with you, Amica. Yes. Um, looking forward to this. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, we, 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 before we go into, you know, the, the, the meat of the discussion, I want to just do a little bit of, you know, introduction again to kind of tell us about your personal journey. I know I, at that conference, I had, you know, quite an interesting story about your journey and where you are today. But can you share your personal journey of how you discovered the profound impact of focus on your personal and professional growth? Sure. Uh, well, going way back, I was born and raised in Northern Ireland. And um, when I was ready to leave high school, I really didn't have a clue what I wanted to do regarding work. And um, my dad worked in a big hospital in Belfast. And um, he said, well, we don't have, we don't have money to, to go to university. So forget that. And he came back and said, I got you an interview at the hospital. I said, well, what's the job? And he said, well, it's the laboratory. And so I go to this interview. I, I pass the interview. And a few weeks later, I'm working as a medical lab technologist student. And um, just to give you an insight how off kilter that was, uh, my worst subjects in high school were math and science. 
And this was a job that was not so much math, but it was definitely science. Science, yeah. And uh, I ended up in hematology, which is doing lots of blood work, um, all these tests, blood transfusion work. Um, but I was just totally out of my depth. And, you know, I didn't really know anything about strength. Uh, and I drifted along in that job. I did the, get the qualifications. Uh, and I spent eight years there. And then I had an opportunity to to leave Ireland because uh, there was a war zone in, in Northern Ireland. Uh, it was called the Troubles at the time. That was back in late 60s, early 70s. Uh, that went on for over 20 years. Thousands of people killed. Mm -hmm. And in 1973, I decided to start looking around for a job somewhere else and to leave Northern Ireland. And I ended up in Canada and uh, <laughs> same job though, I got an opportunity to be the head of the hematology department at the Calgary General Hospital. And wow. I was so out of my depth. I arrived there and <laughs> I, I had 19 women to supervise and I hadn't wow. supervised anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of thrown into this. And I learned later that they'd been trying to find somebody for over a year, but nobody wanted the job. Mm. And um, it, it was just unbelievable. But I spent six years there. And, uh, the, you know, I, and that's where my entrepreneurial flair started, because after a year, I started looking around for something part time because I wasn't getting paid that much. In Canadian dollars, it was $11,000 a year. Uh, now, that was twice the amount I was making in Ireland, <laughs> so, so put that into perspective. But I started a little disc jockey business, music, and i uh, never like done a that. a DJ? A DJ, yeah. <laughs> I like music, and I, I used to go to weddings uh, or banquets, and you'd see somebody playing records, the old style of two turntables, uh, but they never said a word. And I'm thinking, this is interesting. and. They sort of played the music they wanted to hear. <laughs> that, that was my recollection. And I thought, I could do better than this. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I got my dad to send me all the top records from the UK. You couldn't get them here. So all the big names like Queen and all the big bands over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was right past the Beatles time, but all the big bands of the time. So I had a real advantage. A lot of dance music that you couldn't get here. It was a lot of country and Western mainly. And so I started this on weekends and I actually did that part-time for 10 years. And I was making more money doing that than I was in the lab as a supervisor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that was the big moment when I got recruited. I was doing a Christmas banquet for this company, didn't know who they were. And they were given all these big checks out at the end of their, their banquet. And I mean, these were thousands and thousands of dollars. And way back then, that's a lot of money. And so it, I learned later it was a multi-level marketing company, and this was their big end of the year thing. And a guy tried to recruit me into that. And I didn't know anything about MLM. And I said, no, I'm too busy. I got, I'm a DJ and I've got this other full-time job. I don't have time to do anything like that. But he kept it after me for three months, never quit. Every week he called me. Mm. And I finally went to this meeting and I didn't, I don't know if you've ever been to some of these meetings, but the guy who did the meeting uh, was amazing. He did a phenomenal presentation about the opportunity 
And and the business was um, the harder you work, the more money you make. Now, mm -hmm. that was music to my ears because I knew <laughs> no matter how hard I worked at the lab, I wasn't getting one cent more than any of the other supervisors. <laughs> and so I started into this part time. And long story short, um, inside a couple of years, um, I was a top distributor in the whole of Canada. Um, wow. me and my wife worked this. But the biggest breakthrough, Amica, was the training was done by a man called Jim Rohn. I had never heard of Jim Rohn. Hmm. But in the training package, there was these six, the old cassette tapes way back then. There was no digital stuff. And I started to listen to these, these tapes. And it was personal development and it was it was pretty simple stuff but to me it was magic i'd never heard anything like it and i got absolutely hooked on personal development now i never met jim ron for probably over a year when he came in live to one of the company's events and then the company had a downturn basically um i had to fold my business uh try to get out of the five-year lease i'd just taken at the office and and then I joined another little company for six months and then a big recession hit in 1982 and we had just bought a property um, we were going to build a, a brand new house in this property and everything crashed the oil industry crashed I was out of a job in November uh the, the other company went bankrupt and I was basically on the street we had two little kids one was three months the other was three years my wife didn't work and I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. And that was the end of 1982 when interest rates were 22%. Yeah, you mentioned that I was like 22%. 20, no, people today haven't got a clue that at 22%, that's just ridiculous. And wow. they thought it was going to 30%. There was panic. Hmm. And so um, Jim Rohn, who was my master mentor, said, if you ever get stuck, you need to have a mindset where you always have 10 options. Again, I never heard any of this stuff before. Mm. And so I went down into my basement at home, my unfinished basement, and he told me, write 10 options. Just take a piece of paper. You've got to write them. And don't stop until you get 10. And so I did that, and it was midnight, and I think it was number nine that hit me. Start your own training company and what developed out of that I, I called it achievers canada and i would bring in speakers like jim Rohn every single month to calgary and wow. i did it for a couple of months and then i made it a, a one-year membership so you joined the membership at achievers and you got 11 months every month you got one of the top speakers either in personal or business development and I did that for about 12 years. And we grew that business into probably the largest seminar company in Western Canada. And we expanded into other areas of, of um, the province. We were in Edmonton, we were in Red Deer. So I bring a speaker and we do a little tour and we, and we had five sessions and I drove them in the car to each session. So I had people like Zig Ziglar in the car for hours. And wow! Hours. Wait, wait, wait a minute. So <laughs> hold, hold on. First, before you continue, sorry to call you. I, I want to. I want to. I want to make sure that the, the listeners and those watching can get this. You said first thing you said was that for every problem or every every challenge you have, you have to 
be able to get to the point where you come up with 10 ideas or 10 solutions or 10 things that you can do to yeah. get yourself out of that challenge. That's, that's, that's 10 options. 10 options. Yeah. But again, you're saying to me that you're also in the car with the Jim Rons. Yeah, the I was Jim Rohn in every year. <laughs> wow. And he became a good friend, actually, and a phenomenal mentor. He was, a, he was a man that changed my life, basically. And he said to me, because I was stuck, like really back to the wall, no money. And uh, he said, Les, for things to change, you've got to change. Otherwise, nothing much will change for you. And that hit me like a sledgehammer. Um, but I did the 10 options thing, and I think it was number nine. Started my own training company. Uh, and for 10 years, I had we had more than 100 of the top experts in the world in personal and business development. And we did five sessions uh, every time they came in. And, you know, we had thousands of people go through those seminars. Uh, and it was totally life changing. And, and I discovered what my strength was. And, and my strength was was creating ideas and selling them. So I became really good at sales. And the, the ML MLM company had helped me to do that. They had a phenomenal training program. And of course, Jim Rohn was the trainer. Hmm. Um, so I have a lot to be thankful for. And I think people go on, like, your life is a journey. And there's all sorts of twists and turns. And right now, at this era that we're in, I mean, the world's in a bit of a mess. So you don't have to look far to see what's going on. Hmm. Um, and we're all going to have challenges. That's just called life. But that thing about the 10 options, if you believe that and you carry out that little exercise anytime you feel really stuck, um, the magic happens. And then you got to follow through. Like if you get an idea that's solid, you just got to run with it. I wrote for two hours when I uncovered that one idea. I think it was up until 2.30 in the morning in my basement. And the, I had a, Jim Rohn told me, have an ideas book beside you all the time. Now today you can have a phone, digital, all the rest of it. But he just said, have an ideas book. And um, I don't know if I have one here or not, but, but I just had a book and I wrote down every idea I had. I, I didn't use every idea, but it was great to just have that book and capture the ideas. Um, and those those ideas just uh, changed everything for me. But, this but is having a, this those is a powerful mentors, principle you're sharing, like this this idea, because now in this fast pace, and we're going to talk about focus. Like in this fast paced world, everything is microwaved and everything. We rarely take the time to capture ideas, and you know, ideas is what changed the world. Like. This thing you're saying is so powerful. I, I, I still have a, if I have one here, I've, I think I've exhausted this one and I'm, I'm in a new one now for, I think I started a new one, this one here. And it captures, oh, perfect. Yeah. As, the, as, the, as the thoughts comes, I just write it down. Like, and you will be shocked at a lot of things that you can achieve by just capturing the thoughts and ideas that you, you, you get. Well, you've got to capture them because in seconds they can disappear. Yeah. Sometimes you get an idea in the middle of the night. And I keep a notepad beside my bed because it go it change. You wake up in the morning, you can't for the life of you remember what the best idea you ever had was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the idea for this podcast came when I was I was I went to drop my kids at the daycare, and I was just driving back. And this was like 2022, 
and we were saying go back to work and everything. And I just thought to myself, like, I do a lot of writing, but I, I, people, I've had people ask about my, you know, can they just hear what I say, you know, rather than just reading the, my, my content. And I just came like, you can actually start a podcast. And I was just thinking on my head, and I had to drive to stop somewhere to write the name of this podcast as it came to my <laughs> Wow. Well, you, you picked a good name. Growth is personal, and it is. It is, yeah. Very like personal. no one is going to, I mean, we can see all, you know, they say it being an environment where people, you know, uh, will inspire you and all of that. But if you don't take personal responsibility, nothing's going to change. Like you said, if you don't change, Nothing's going to change. No matter how people inspire you and motivate you, if you don't take that motivation and put it to the action, it's going to it's going to fade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Okay, let, let's go on into now. I talked about distractions, right? And you know, maintaining focus right now is is a is a is a huge it's a huge problem. I would call it a problem because you can see a lot of stuff going online and even at work and all of that. How How is maintaining focus crucial for individuals to strive for excellence in, in life or in their career or in the business? How is focus so important? It's critical. Absolutely critical. And I'm going to give you an example. It, it's nothing to do with business or career, but I think it's a great example. And it was last night, so it's very fresh. <laughs> So I think you probably know that I'm working with a lot of um, young people, teenagers or marginalized. Yeah, Um, I can see the shirts too. It's been a lot of fun working with them. And Mm -hmm. um, they all play soccer. And they're from Africa, South America, all over the place. Um, So they put, uh, they work with a charity, the one that I'm working with. And they put a soccer team out for the under 23 league. Now, the kids that are playing that just started this team this year is their first season. Um, average age would be 18, 19, but they're playing in the under 23s. So they, uh, the, the teams that are playing are older and more experienced. Mm. They did so well this year, got a great coach. Um, last night was the last game of the league. And if they win, won, if they win this game, they win the championship. First season. And playing far younger kids than than the, the rest of the, the teams. And so I went over, of course, to see the match last night. And uh, the other team were a very good team. And it was really interesting. Talk about focus. There's a difference between sportsmanship and gamesmanship. And it's sad to see in soccer, particularly, and if you watch the English or European leagues, the big leagues, uh, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of gamesmanship. And so there was a lot of trash talking from the other team. There was all this nonsense going on. You're not going to win the league tonight. We'll, we're we're going to see to that. And they got in their heads. And hmm. the young guys couldn't handle it. They lost focus. They got distracted. There was a, one guy went down on the other team with an injury, a so-called injury. It wasn't an injury at all. He lay there for five minutes. And all the other players on that team were screaming at the ref, saying, file send them off send them off it's a penalty kick the ref give them a penalty kick sent our guy off um and then they tied the game one one i thought they're going to win this even with 10 men and then the same thing happened this other team got in their heads and you could just see the focus disappearing and there was a big fight at the end of the game the the other team the other team won three one uh and so big life lessons for these young 
guys after the game just think and reflect about what did you learn? It's your first season. You did fantastic to be even in this position, one game away from winning the title. But you let the other guys get in your head. And focus is so much a mental construct. And you set boundaries to turn off all the other noise that's out there. And it's not easy, particularly for entrepreneurs. And I know because I've been one for 45 years. Hmm. And it's difficult. But if you don't set boundaries and, and know what you want to focus on, why it is it's so important. And I mean, that goes into the whole meaningful goals. Are you clear about what you want? Why you want it? You know, the why is really important, but we get distracted all the time. There was, there was a report I remember reading a long time ago. It said that every time you get distracted from what you're doing during the day, it takes 10 to 15 minutes to get your head back on track. Now, we get distracted probably at least 10 times a day. And so mm -hmm. if you've got something really important, first of all, you've got to be aware when am I getting distracted? Why am I getting distracted? And how can I fix that? So one of the things that, that I created was called the seven-day focus. So instead of doing big to-do lists every day, which don't really work for most people, you know, what I find is that they make these to-do lists, and first of all, there's far too many things on the list. You'll never get them done in a day, you know, but you're going to get distracted at some point. There's other things to do. Hmm. Um, and you got to have time for your family and so on. So what a lot of people do that are business owners that I see, they, they take what's left over from the list they were supposed to do on Monday and they carry it into Tuesday, but they've already got a list for Tuesday and they roll this through the week. They keep rolling it over all the things they never got done and they end up on Friday. They still haven't got some of the most important things done. And so what do they do? They take it home. And that screws up the family life and the kids that want to go to the, the soccer game or whatever it is. And that's where the pressure comes in. And people play that game all the time, particularly entrepreneurs. I, was I have a client in Australia I just had a session with yesterday. And, you know, I've been with him seven years, coaching one-on-one, -on -one. super guy, runs his own little engineering company. And yesterday, after seven years, he said, I need to get focused again. I have so much pressure on me. I've got lots of work but I've got so much pressure and so many other things I got to deal with. And this is a guy in his mid fifties. Uh, and so it, it just doesn't disappear you never make it perfect. And I just went back to the same old things, you know, what's the three biggest priorities you have in front of you to be completed in the next month. And he was able to tell like in one minute, he knew what the three things were. I said, well, the answer is pretty simple focus time, put the blocks of time in there that'll get those three things done. He said, I'll have one done by the, by my next Tuesday. And see, we don't, we don't, we, we sort of run away from that. You know, we know focus is important, but these distractions absolutely kill us regarding productivity. And the great thing I've learned about focus is that uh, you get things done when you focus on one thing only, you get more things done you're more productive and you will have more time off. Mm -hmm. And if those aren't big enough motivators and you get better results, obviously, and you probably make more money and not probably you will make more money. 
So again, it's a mental thing. Like the kids playing soccer, they just allied themselves to get totally distracted and they blew the game. Lack of focus. Lack of focus. Okay. I mean, you, you mentioned something that I think is very important where we have to focus. And because we talk a lot about multitasking, right? But when we tend to focus on one task at a time, we tend to get better results from what you're just saying. So are there, what, what kind of tools? You mentioned something around the seven, uh, you're going to talk about the seven tools. Yeah, seven day focus. Seven day focus. Is that a tool? Is that something that we have to apply to be able to overcome, you know, maybe procrastination? Yeah, I, I created that originally for myself because I was getting distracted as much as anybody else. And so the seven day focus is basically designing your week instead of day to day. So for example, when I'm coaching someone, I'll say, okay, well, let's, let's get you started on the seven day focus. So you could either do that maybe on Friday afternoon, if you wanted to, and you take 25 minutes and you take a look at the most important things that you need to get done next week. Or you could do it first thing Monday morning, which is what I prefer. If you need to get up 25 minutes earlier, do it. But you don't do anything before you make that list of the things that need to be done. Once you make the list, then you take a look at the list and say, what are the top three priorities, the most important things this week that I need to complete by the end of the week? And you highlight those three things. And there's always three things. Uh, and, but don't do more. It's just three. And then you go to your calendar before the day starts. You go to your calendar and you estimate how much time is it going to take me to get these three things done. Mm -hmm. And another little aside to this, Amica, is we underestimate the amount of time it takes to do important things. So I remember I had a guy sent me mm -hmm. his, his seven-day focus for the first time he was doing this. He had 50 things on the list. I said, are you serious? <laughs> There's no way you'll ever finish 50 things, never mind the, the top three priorities. You haven't got a chance. So be realistic with your timelines. And then you put those three things in the calendar. You estimate blocks of focus time. So it might be three hours on Wednesday. Um, I used to interview people a lot uh, years ago. And I had an audio program. And basically, I would take two hours, two and a half hours to, to do the interview. And so I would block, say, Thursday morning from 9.30 to, to noon. That was interview. And I told everybody in my office, do not disturb me because I'm on focus time. They knew what focus time was. And it's very important, by the way, you communicate to other people who tend to keep walking in and disturbing you, you know, every day if you've got an office full of people. But once I did that and got used to I do one thing, I do it to the best of my ability. I don't allow anything to interrupt me. Now, the good news about this is you probably only have to do this about five or six hours a week, maybe 10, to get those most important things done. Now, if you've got a really big project, like I'm writing a book, I might say, okay, this is the week I'm gonna write, you know, 100 pages or something. So I just block the whole week out to write, you know, because I've got deadlines on, you know, getting the book printed and everything else. Um, but the nice thing about it, you can get your team to do this. If everybody bought into that, you know, let's do the seven day focus. 
you pick your top three priorities. At the end of the day, everybody gets together. How did you do? Now, if, imagine this in a, in a team. If everybody got three out of three, that'd be a heck of a week. Hmm. High fives all the way around. And if, imagine a team doing that consistently, using their, their strengths, the things they do best, picking the top three priorities, knocking them off every week. Here's what would happen. The momentum would go up. The energy would be so positive. The productivity would, would just soar and the results would definitely improve. And that includes the bottom line. It takes practice to get there. I mean, this right. doesn't happen inside two weeks, but right. in a month, two months, no reason why everybody can't do that. And you celebrate the victories. You got a team of five people and everybody got three out of three, celebrate. Doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money or anything, but do something to celebrate. You had a great week. And that just encourages everybody else. And the energy in the team then just becomes so positive. Now, here's the other side of it. Sometimes it's zero out of three for me. You don't get three out of three all the time, but stuff happens. I might get a huge opportunity drops in my lap that I need to really pay attention to that in the moment. Or I get distracted and some emergency shows up that pulls me into it. And there's no way I'm getting three out of three. By the way, another way to make this work better for you is to have a focus partner. Could be somebody else on the team. For me, it was another entrepreneur who didn't live anywhere near me, but we had a 10 minute phone conversation at the start of the week. And we, we wrote down, here's the three things that we need to finish. And then the following week, we'd check in with each other and he would push me and challenge me every week as I would to him. And he, we kept each other on track and that can be really, really helpful. You just have to choose somebody who's really in alignment with what you want to do and wants to do the same thing. If somebody isn't going to do the game right, then it's not going to work. But having a focus partner who's dedicated to achieving their goals, as well as helping you achieve yours is fantastic. Yeah. I used to say that you want to be around people who want growth in their life as much as you do. So once you have this kind of people, then it's going to be phenomenal. And I want to also re reiterate the point you made for those who didn't catch it is that we underestimate the time required to do great work. And I think it's so important because what happens is we underestimate the time we get to do the great work and we get frustrated that we're not achieving it at that time frame because we allocated a little time to do that great work and then we leave it. Great work takes time, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and the, the other way to look at it, Amica, is minimize the stuff in your life. The stuff is the really low priorities. And, you mm -hmm. know, particularly for leaders, senior management, CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, you've got to be vigilant with that. You've got to say no to a lot of things. Otherwise, you're just going to, you know, you, you allow everybody to distract you. Um, I, I worked with a top entrepreneur in California. Uh, and he was totally frustrated. He was almost burned out. And I went down to his office and we spent half a day together. And I said to him, I want you to write every single activity that you do in a typical week at work. And he spent about 20 minutes on this. He had 70 things on his list, all different activities. I told him to write a detailed list. 
70 things he was trying to do every week. And I said to him, pick a, put a check mark beside the activities that are the things you do best, your strengths. And there was maybe five or six. And he looked at it and he, he just couldn't believe it. I said, so you're doing all, what, 64 other things that aren't, aren't really important and they're things that you don't do well anyway? Here's what I suggest, because you've, you've got, you're in the position to do this. I said, the next month, I want you to find an experienced personal assistant. And it took three months. He found this lady, he hired her, paid her really well. And I phoned up a month later and I said, how's it going? He said, this woman's changed my life. I mean, Monday morning, she comes in, she looks over my shoulder, she sees my list of all the things that I've, I've got to do. And she watches me put check marks. She says, no, you don't do that anymore. No, you don't do this anymore. And you definitely don't do this anymore. And he said, I finally learned what the word surrender means. He was such a controller. He wouldn't let anything go. Even the little details that were just absolutely wasting his time, she took care of it. He said, this woman changed everything. One good hire. And he kept her, I think she's still there, but mm. changed his life. He said, I never get to play sports like tennis. He's taking vacations. He's playing tennis. One good person. He just, she handled the vast majority of what he shouldn't be doing. Awesome. So how can we create spaces? Because I think there's something that has to do with environment and focus, right? So how can we minimize distraction and create a focused walk or learning space? Like, how can you create that space where once you get in, you are able to bring up ideas, you're able to do stuff? Or is there nothing like that? No, there is. I mean, it's, and it's a really good question. It's, a, it's an important question. Creating your own environment. You know, I work out of home now, and this is my office, uh, but I've created the office where it's friendly to me. I've got, I've got pictures on the walls more recently of these kids I'm working with. And, and it gives me a sense of comfort. The colors in that room are warm and they're not like bright red or something that's very, <laughs> but they're warm and soft colors. One of the best things that you can do though, once you start a focused project and you make sure you communicate, if you're in an office setting, you communicate to the people around you what focus time is. You can even hang a notice on your door called focus time. That means don't knock the door and don't disturb me. I've seen some people go to the local library and they just get, they get quietness there because they can't get it in the office. I have another entrepreneur. He uh, rented a separate office for his most important work. But one of the easiest things to do is that will help you stay focused is play concentration music while you're working, even if it's just for an hour. When I'm writing a book, I always have concentration music playing lightly in the background. And that mm -hmm. Baroque, Baroque instru instrumental music is really good. But if you just Google uh, concentration music, there's lots of it. And I have a couple of particular al albums I like, and they're always on. Now it's scientifically proven, particularly with Baroque classical music, that where the beats um, of that music are about 60 beats a minute, which when you're relaxed, your heartbeat is roughly 60 beats a minute. 
So in other words, your body's in sync with the music. And we mm -hmm. and the science proves that you will get far more done and be able to focus better when you have concentration music playing in the background. Concentration music. That's a that's a good study one. Study mu study music is another word for it. Awesome. Okay, let's talk about burnout because we have a lot of leaders who, you know, this they're focused, you know, solely on work, and sometimes they, you know, they get burnt out. How can individuals or how can leaders find a balance between intense focus and taking breaks to recharge? Yeah, that's another important question. I've seen quite a few clients on the verge of burnout. Uh, it's not a pretty picture. Uh, I think the danger is that they don't recognize it. They just work, 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 work. And like the guy I was telling you about in Australia yesterday, I said to him, you know, you've got to cut the 70 hours down. It's okay to do it for a little bit if you've got a project, but you can't, you can't keep doing that. Uh, and burnout is not pretty. In fact, it can be disastrous to your health. I mean, people have heart attacks, actually die. But yeah, there's a, there's a couple, first be aware of it. Be aware of the pressure and the pace that you're setting. And, and again, one of the best things, you've got to take regular breaks. And that doesn't matter if you're heading towards burnout or not. Any entrepreneur or anybody at a senior level in particular, you've got to take regular breaks. And I was delighted to hear my friend yesterday, because I've been pounding on him recently, I said, when was the last vacation you had with your wife? Oh, uh, three months ago, but it was only three days. And I said, no, 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 no. So one, one way to do this is plan your time off January 1st at the start of the year. If you're in a position where your time's flexible, like you own the company um, or you're a senior leader, you go into the calendar and you say, this is the amount of time I went off. And I, I recommend all my coaching clients, you know, I work one-on-one -on -one with a few business owners at this stage of my life. And um, I tell them minimum six weeks off, no argument, six weeks off. And some of them are lucky to get two. And I said, no, it's a six week. If you want to work with me, it's six weeks off. And I'll show you how you can enjoy those six weeks, be more productive, be happier and make more money. And that finally convinces them. And when they go to six weeks, it's like it's like magic. I, I'll I'll give you one example of this. I had a guy in construction. He he owned the company. He was on the burnout trail. He was he was eating sixteen tums a day. You know the anti antacid little chew thing chewables. Mm -hmm. Sixteen a day. Wow. And I said, when was the last time you had a vacation? I don't even remember. I said, okay, you're on the six weeks off program. Okay. And, and he just fought it like crazy. And finally he said, okay, I'm going to take a month off. Never done it in my life. And I said, well, if you've got a good team, they'll handle it. And so he took this amazing vacation, a whole month off with his family, went to Europe or somewhere um came back said unbelievable didn't have one phone call to the office because that was the deal breaker and he said what was great was my team stepped up and handled it and i said well that shows you got a good business 
you can let things go. And by the way, they should be getting good time off as well. Um, but that people fight this all the time. And even if, you know, you, I asked people, I did a survey on how much time is a day off? And I would get seven hours, eight hours. And that meant people are working weekends or they'll take one email. I just got to do this email Saturday morning. And in our rules at the power of focus, the way we, a day off is 24 hours, no discussion, 24 hours. If you take one email, you just wrecked your day because your head just went into the business hmm. and probably sat there for an hour and not just doing a 30 second email. And this is a big deal. You know, there's all sorts of surveys that have proved this. You take regular breaks, you come back refreshed, even if it's a weekend, you come refreshed, you're more creative, you're more productive, you're not feeling as stressed, you know? Doctors all over the world have proved it. So those are the biggest things, you know, be aware that you've got real pressure. And if you have a family, they are probably letting you know. And you're probably not paying any attention because you think you're a martyr and you're Superman or Superwoman. Uh, but it's just really bad decision. You know, yeah. change your routines, change your habits. If you can get into the routine of regular breaks, sometimes just one day off, but in our system, it's six weeks over the year, plan the plan that at the beginning of the year and make it a priority. Work your work your business around it. Right. I, I wanted you to touch this talk about the Power Focus book. Because I know when you share the story at that conference, it was really was really empowering. So I wanted you to share for our audience, how did you come about the Power Focus book? uh at least walk us through the, the process of maintaining focus to get that book to become a reality <laughs> yeah that's a good i've never written a book i mean we've done seven books now but the very first book the original power of focus after i did all the seminars for 12 years you know we did 450 programs and i thought okay well that chapter's over you know life's like a book that's the chapter it's over and it was great and I got so much mentoring and I thought, I want to start my own little coaching group. So basically for the next 12 years, I had groups of like 25 to 30 business owners. We spent one full day every six weeks, actually six times a year. And it was a, it was a two year program. And the great thing about that was we could see results. I mean, the three hour seminars are great. You know, there's terrific information from these experts. But most people, unfortunately, don't do much. They don't take, as you said before, they don't take a lot of action. And that was for sitting for me because I really couldn't, we couldn't follow up very well what people were doing with all the information and the seminars. Um, so I started this two-year program and small groups, very interactive, uh, really clear goals that everybody had to achieve. And it was wonderful. I mean, I was learning as I was doing it. And at the end of that time, I thought, you know, I think I have enough material here. I'd love to write a book so I can impact more people. Mm. But I didn't know anything about publishing or writing. And so I had an outline and I had all this material I was using in my workshops. And um, one of my best uh, speakers was Jack Canfield, who we brought in several times. And uh, Mark Victor Hansen was the other guy. They were in the middle of the biggest 
publishing phenomenon in a long, long time called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm -hmm. uh, they have sold, I think it's 500 million books. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's a machine, a marketing machine. And so I called them up. I said, Jack, I've got an idea for a book. I've never done a book. Um, love to meet with you. Give me a few ideas. So I flew down to California to Santa Barbara in his office. And, Jack, and Mark happened to be there as well. And, uh, of course, chicken soup was a, the big topic. And I, I showed him an outline. Of, I, this is a book I would like to write, but I don't know how to do it. And, but I've got lots of material. And would you guys consider being my co-authors? And that was a strategy. And that is a very important strategy anybody can use called leverage. If there's something you can't do yourself or mm -hmm. open a door, you find someone who's got influence who can open that door for you. Now, in this particular case, Jack and Mark looked at the outline that I had scribbled out and they said, yeah, this is pretty neat. You know, it'd be good to do a book that isn't chicken soup. <laughs> we've done like 150 books all chicken soup. And I said, well, I, I don't know how to do this. How do I get a publisher? And he said, hang on. And he lifts the phone and he phones a publisher in Florida at HCI Books who did all the chicken soup books, selling mm. millions and millions of books. He gets the, the uh, publisher on the phone. And all I hear is, hey, it's Jack here. Uh, I've got a friend of mine, Les Hewitt, and Mark's here with me in my office. And he's got an outline for a book that we think is pretty good. We'd like to be part of it. Uh, and he says, okay, okay, okay. All right, that's great. And he sets the phone down. And I'm standing there like, so what happened? He said, oh, nothing. Well, they'll print it next May. Less, <laughs> less than a minute. Hmm. And that's the power of leverage. And Jack particularly mentored me on the book. And then I it turned out, I realized that one of my biggest strengths, it was I was 53 when I got that book done. And I didn't realize wow. for years that I was actually very good at writing. I never had trouble writing. It was really easy for me. I wrote little newsletters, things at school, easy, never thought of it. I thought everybody could do that. But I realized that was one of my strengths. And I love writing, love creating. But that book, thanks to Jack and Mark and their influence and their name on the cover, went to number one in the New York Times bestseller list. And we've sold over a million books or something with very little marketing. The other books, we've hardly done any marketing. But The Power of Focus became a series. That was The Power of Focus. And we did The Power of Focus for women. My wife was doing workshops. She put together a book with me. It became a bestseller. Uh, my son did a book on for university kids, The Power of Focus for college students. Terrific book for kids, helping them figure out what their goals and their dreams are. That became a bestseller. And so it became a series. And I remember Mark saying, if you're going to do a book, make it a series. Hmm. Don't just do one. But you can create a brand like The Power of Focus is now a brand, as, like Chicken Soup is a huge brand. But it's fascinating. And I got well mentored. And the other thing they told me is if you're writing a book, hmm. you need a reader's panel. And every chicken soup book had a reader's panel and they checked all 101 stories. They graded them one to 10 and no story was printed unless it got a 10 from the reader's panel. And these were individual people that were just reading the stories. Wow. So, 
I just got an idea now why you were saying sharing. And yeah, that that is that because when I saw the book, I was I was like, this is this is powerful. Like the idea to be able to create something, leverage people who are already in the business is so powerful. And you know, a lot of times we don't we don't take we take the people we have around us, you know, for granted. We don't really pay attention. Whereas, you know, there are people around us right now that we can actually leverage, right? I met you at the pod, at, at the event and here you're on the podcast, right? <laughs> there you go. You asked. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you have to be willing to ask. I think that's another, another point here in this, in this conversation uh, around leverage is that don't be afraid to ask. Like, mm -hmm. don't be afraid to ask. Because a lot of times people are afraid, oh, will they come on board? What if they say no? Mm -hmm. Leave all Rejection. that. Just ask, just yeah. ask, and you you never can tell what where the road leads from there. Who knows? Maybe well, it was I'm funny. It was funny at that conference. You remember at the end, uh, there was a lady that stood up to ask a question or something, right? And I held the book up, and I said, "Who wants this book?" And a lot of hands went up, and I just held the book up and said, "Who really wants this book?" And then somebody finally realized, "I got to go and get it." <laughs> 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 but that I do that with the kids as well, you know. And it, but it's a really simple demonstration of you got to take action. Yeah, you want something? Putting your hand up isn't enough. So mm, powerful. So we're going to be wrapping up now with the final three questions, and these are questions that I ask my guests. Random questions. Sure. And you can answer in one word, or you can expatiate on the word. So the first question is: What small change can we make to become more focused? That's a big question. <laughs> well, little thing, um, change your habit. Just change one. And again, thank you, Mr. Rohn, because he was a genius for me when I needed it. And he sat me down. Uh, we were at a, one of my seminars having lunch, and just him and me. And he said, let me tell you something, Les. Your habit will determine your future. No, never heard that before. And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, it's true. He said, if you got focused enough to change just a few habits a year, maybe three, maybe four, that's all. And it could be in your personal life. It could be health. It could be money. It could be your business, whatever. But if you just did that, life would change. That's and right. Absolutely. He said, when you have good habits, let's call them successful habits. When you have successful habits, you get big rewards. When you have bad habits, you get consequences and you probably won't like the consequences. And for some people, it's their health. You know, they have bad health, the bad eating habits, they eat junk all the time or whatever it is, or smoking or whatever it is. It catches up with them later when they don't expect it. Hmm. But he said, if you just did that, if you want to make change, just take a look at your habits, make, write them down and write one habit that you could change. Change. Right. And then just, it might take you three or four months, but just do it. He said, you'll notice a difference. And then do another one. Don't try to change six at the same time. It'll That's never right. work. But he said, you know, it's only three or four a year. That could change your life. That's right. I mean, two habits that come to mind, you know, when I look back is, you know, one of the habits was being, I was very intentional about the friends that I have. Like I, I was, I had a habit of being around people who were going somewhere like I, I didn't have many friends because I knew that 
I had to form, I had to be intentional about the kind of people I have around me if I want to go somewhere, right? People are going somewhere. And the second habit was the habit of reading. I remember then in school, my friends would be like, and I'm just taking a random walk. I'm just walking somewhere and I have a book in my hand. You will not find me walking without a book. Even if you invite me to your house, for example, I might go with a book because if the conversation ends, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> but I think that habit helped because it's a good habit. When, I look, when I look around me, I'm like, this, this, this helped, you know? So, a, yes. Like a, Jim Rohn told me again that he's the master, uh, passed away several years ago, but I still pay tribute to him all the time. But he said, read 30 minutes a day. Read something meaningful, interesting, helpful. Miss your lunch, but don't miss the 30 minutes. And it was that simple, simple habit. And I've done that. I do it at breakfast time. I read for 30 minutes, a book or whatever it is. Uh, and podcasts are great. I mean, you strap the headphones on and away you go or listen in the car. And he told me, turn your car into university. University, yeah. Not yeah. listening to the news or even music, you know. I mean, there's so much great content out there. Yeah. So, I think that one of the one of the things I one of the changes I made recently, I think that was around COVID, was to turn my turn my car. I think I at that point I registered for Spotify. I haven't done it before, so I just subscribed to Spotify for just podcasts. So when I'm driving, I'm listening to podcasts, and people ask, "How do you?" How'd you start a, a podcast and you become, I think the last, was it last uh, few months ago, we became top 10 personal development podcasts in Canada. Wow. And this is barely a, a year or so. How'd you become top 10? And we were top 15% most shared podcast globally by Spotify. Like, how do you do that? And that's because I just, I was listening to those podcasts who I, <laughs> who I, <laughs> I, t I mean, I'm driving, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm like, you know, I, what am, I, what am I doing the radio? I mean, radio is good, but if they're telling me news that they want to share with me that doesn't add value to me, why, do I, why, why can't I be intentional about what I hear on, on, on while driving, you know? And it helps me stay sane. You know, if you, when you say, when you say road rage, I'm like, if you listen to something, <laughs> something that, that edifies, that uplifts you, you won't, you won't have a road rage on the road. Like you, you've been, <laughs> you've been kind. You've how, been long have you, how long have you been doing this, the podcast? It's uh, it's 2022. We started January 2022. Wow! So it's barely, it's barely. Congratulations! You know, That's fantastic. It just shows you that when you find something you love and you find it easy, and you see other people doing it, and you say, "I think I could do that better." Yeah, I mean, this that, is the, this is going to be the 61, 61 episodes, and the amount of guests we've had here. People, I mean, I was on a podcast. Someone invited me some time ago. I think few weeks a few months ago and he said how do you get your guests like that's one of these he was curious about how do i get my guests i'm like some of the guests i reached out to but some literally reach out to me yeah of course and the more the, the more you become listened to that's exactly it this, it this is another thing that it took me a long time to learn um when you find something you really enjoy and and i get really upset with what's happening in schools we teach you heard me talking about the five fundamentals that we teach these kids and you know business owners as well five fundamental life skills awareness focus relationships routines and resourcefulness and i ask these kids who are just leaving high school uh, and they're struggling and i say 
do you get any of these five life skills taught in school? Every one of them said no. And then when I asked people in my extended family, same age group, uh, who are not marginalized like these kids, do you get any of these five life skills? No, this is high school. It, it's mm -hmm. shocking. You know, what, what are we teaching? I mean, it's, there are schools that are more progressive. There's no doubt about it. But I tell you, there's a big gap between people leaving high school, getting a diploma, and then being launched into the real world with very minimal qualifications and mm. learning and understanding practical things. I mean, how to open a bank account, how to have a savings account, how do you invest money? I mean, it's just, yeah. anyway, okay. that's my little thing. <laughs> the second question, what is the best advice you have received on how to become more focused? Hmm. I would say if you want to achieve your dreams and your most important goals, the lifestyle that you would really like to live, uh, or maybe you're contributing, maybe it's a worthy cause that you're really excited about. And the years are, the years are flying by for all of us. I mean, life goes fast. Be really clear about what it's going to take to reach whatever that is, whatever that dream is, whatever your why is, whatever's important to you. It's not going to happen by magic. It's going to take effort and effort requires focus and it applies to everything, sports, any, any type of business at all, any career at all, any job at all. You want to be really good at it. And, and just back to your, your journey is you're starting to attract people because you're giving value. And to me, that is the simplest thing that anyone can do is to consistently provide value. And if you find out something that you love to do, keep doing it, learn more about it, keep practicing it. And at some point you will be recognized as an expert. And when you become an expert at something, people will find you. You don't have to go looking for them. And the biggest opportunities will come to you because you put the time, effort, and focus into doing something that's important and valuable for other people. They will find you. That's a, that's a powerful one. If you become a person of value, people of value will come looking for you. True. Oh. <laughs> okay, the last question. What is the worst advice you've ever received on becoming more focused? <laughs> be a multitasker doesn't work oh you can do you can do six things at a time by the way women are far better at multitasking than men are in my experience and if you have young kids a mother with three young kids she has to be a multitasker right <laughs> but that's right. a different thing altogether if you're talking about work career entrepreneurship and so on i mean Attempting to do too many things in a day, in a week, is just, you're going in the wrong direction. You'll, give, you'll create so much pressure, so much stress. Uh, you'll be spinning your wheels all the time. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work. The seven-day focus is a simple tool, and you get things done, and you get the most important things done. But it focuses like a muscle. You know, you got to keep flexing. That's the habit part of it. When you, if you want to be stronger, you're going to lift weights. You got to go to the gym and you keep doing it and keep doing it. And eventually, in not too long a time, you will become stronger. 
it's the same with focus. It's like a muscle. You got to flex that focus muscle every day that you're working. But again, it doesn't have to be seven, eight hours a day. That's impossible to, to work at that level. And you don't need to do that. Like right. three or four hours a day sometimes really focused work that's all you need awesome awesome thank you so much les for being on the show do you have any last words for our, our listeners well first of all thank you you've made this easy it's really enjoyable i've had a lot of fun doing it but experience is one of the best things in life you know mm -hmm. i'm at a senior age right now and it's great to look back and work with people who are on the journey that are younger and uh, what i love is that uh, I've made probably all the mistakes, not probably, I've made lots of mistakes and mm. I've been fortunate enough to learn from them because of great people around me. And that's another thing, surround yourself with the right people. That was another Jim Rohn, amazing statement. He was a fantastic at quotes, surround yourself with the right people, make the people around you be so good at what they do they become a fortress for you. Powerful. Thank you so much, Les. I, I felt like this was like a one-on-one. A, a -on -one. I mean, I'm grateful I get to do this one-on-one -on -one with people like you because it's almost like before the audience gets to hear this, I get to hear this first time. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you <laughs> it's, a, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you love this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. If you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episode and give us a rating. This will help our podcast get more visibility to those who don't know about this podcast. Remember, your growth is personal. No one is responsible for your personal growth but you. Stay blessed. Stay blessed.